Hi, good morning, Night Vale listeners, fans, owners, and future patrons. Yes, we said it, patrons. We are launching a Patreon. So we can do cool things like bring you more fun slash weird content and have some cash to pay our editors and mixers. If you were thinking I'd love to buy those Good Morning Night Vale hosts a beer or a froyo or two semesters of tuition at mortuary school. Now you can, but instead of beers and yogurt and embalming fluid, it's cash so we can use it to keep bringing you this show. We have great perks for our patrons, like ad-free episodes and exclusive backstage tour videos and pictures, including video from our recent trip to White Castle. It was fine. Totally fine. Plus, a bonus monthly fan zone only episode, bi-monthly live fan zones, shout-outs in the credits, recipes, and food recs from the cast. I, Hal Lublin, will make scones for you on the internet. Plus, monthly weird, personalized gifts and snacks delivered by mail from the cast. I have a lot of weird Night Vale shit in my house, and for the right price, it's coming your way. And the opportunity to be a guest on Good Morning Night Vale on the future episode of your choice. And more. If you love us or even just like us, check out our Patreon and keep our love alive with your sweet, sweet cash. Go to patreon.com slash goodmorningnightvale. That's patreon.com. Good morning, Night Vale. We are forever in your hearts. And in your earbuds. And in your bank accounts. It's fine. We We love love you. you. The secret to a long life lies in how acutely you perceive time. Good morning, Night Vale. me symphony it's me hal it's me meg welcome to good morning night vale the podcast that talks about the other podcast welcome to night vale yeah we like it uh and this episode (laughs) i'm sorry that was weird it's our first Uh, recording of 2020 i'm like let's just be short and sweet let's just be concise in our thoughts and our intentions yeah Yeah. i can't I, i don't have time to waste you know and neither does this episode description a carnival comes to town, plus the cleaning of books, breaking ground at the new old opera house, and an intern returns. Again. Again. Let's talk about it. So, y'all, things are happening. We had a break from the pattern of Welcome to Night Vale, but now we're back, baby. There's a carnival coming to town, and everybody is freaked out. Yeah. Carnivals are scary. I guess so. But they're also delicious. Yeah, I think carnivals. Well, I don't know. It really depends on the carnival. Sometimes carnivals can make me sad. Sometimes carnivals can make me happy. Sometimes carnivals can make me nauseous. There's lots of, there's like the whole range of human emotion inside a carnival. I I actually get concerned. I don't like to ride carnival rides. I only like to, because I feel like they are inherently unsafe. But if Mm. it's like um, a, a county fair, I'm here for it. Even though it's the same stuff that goes from town to town. It is, but it seems like those people are more qualified. Does it? You think so? To me. Because they all have the same, like, RJ attractions. They all have the same uh, polo shirt, right? Yes. They're part of a corporation. And a mullet. And there's, there's a Newport that's hanging out of their mouths. 
and they have tattoos on their hands and their necks. <laughs> yeah, Newports. I love that a that a carnival or a fair is just a bunch of transformers. Like these eighteen wheelers roll in, and then they, and then all of a sudden there's like a a, a chili hot dog fried into an ice cream stand, and right? this is the haunted house, and it all fits in a truck, and it blows your mind. But like from when I think of carnival, I think of a smaller one in in Philly called the June Fate, which is held by a local hospital. And it was like a couple of smaller rides. Are they trying to drum up business? Yeah, they were trying to get people injured and get them in. <laughs> there was a there was a slide with broken glass on it that took you directly into the emergency room. It was very uh, uh, efficient, is what I would call it. It was like they were like smaller amusement rides and mm-hmm. smaller games and stuff. But it felt like a neighborhood thing and something I I looked forward to and wanted to go to every year. Mm. So I like that's something I miss. There aren't really as many. Here we found like I feel like Jennifer and I stumble onto carnivals here rather than than knowing about them because of because of the neighborhood that we live in. That's that's something that's kind of lost out here, and maybe maybe it's lost in a larger scale too. I don't even know. Okay, I don't know if it's still if it's a thing that's not happening anymore. Like, did millennials kill the carnival? I'm not sure. When I was growing up, there was a lot of like church carnivals. Like the Catholic Church always mm-hmm. would have their like big carnival with the pirate ship and the you know the cotton candy and all the different rides and the mm-hmm. gravitron. And all yeah. that stuff, haunted house and bumper cars and that sort of vibe. I think part of that has to do with like having the space to do it. Do you know? Like it's hard, yeah. especially in cities, to do things like that unless there's a, a, a large enough amount of space uh, for that. But I'll tell you what, I love a funnel cake. I love a funnel cake. So good. And uh, like, or when they have the corn where they just pull the husk back. And then you dip it in a vat of butter. Yeah. Ooh. I like cotton candy. I can take down a whole bag of cotton candy. And I feel terrible for weeks, but I love it. Do you, lo- do you let it dissolve in your mouth? Sometimes. Okay. Do you actually, or do you chew it? Well, you kind of, ha- well, with the amount that I put in my mouth, you have to, I do oh. have to break it down with my teeth. Yeah. You wad it up. <laughs> you do a wad. You're not like, I'm going to lick a little bit. You, you no, pull no, it no, off, no, no. you wad it up and then stuff it in like it's chewing tobacco. I just dissolve it. Uh, at the Duchess County Fair, which is, I, I'm not going to call it a carnival because it's so much more than that. It's bigger, uh, better than that. But they have maple cotton candy, and that's the best. Oh, wow. I did have that when I was there. And I'm not a huge sweetie, you know. I'm here for the fried, crispy things. Remember, I got I got a dog, ball full, dog bowl full of fries. Why was it a dog bowl? Because you were at the Fifty Shades of Grey County Fair? <laughs> They're like, eat, mutt. And I was like, yeah. And I didn't do, and I didn't use my hands. That's the one where you order the food, like, you want some fries? Here's some fries. I'm going to feed them to you in a dog bowl. I want you to eat out of on all fours. I'm like, yes, Well, I take please. pictures for my Tumblr. Sorry, we can't put these on there anymore. Uh, I, I like a giant turkey leg. Oh, oh. yes. And it's gross. Like, there's no good way to eat it. I've gotten it down to... <laughs> Like at Disneyland, if I get one, I'll I'll knife and fork it because I just don't want to. My- You're knife and forking a turkey leg, Hal. Yeah, that's that's how you get the most meat. But at a county <laughs> fair, I just rip into it. You're supposed to eat it like a like a like a beast, like a Viking. I do sometimes. Look, I've sat in 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 California Adventure in particular and sat on the curb, like stooped over, eating it like a like an urchin, like one of Fagin's children. <laughs> he found a turkey leg just gnawing on it. But the county fair, like, you have to you get your food, then you try to find a picnic table. The picnic tables are the grossest tables on earth. 
So sticky. It's like, yeah, like every single one, like like Oscar Madison just ate at every table one after the other. <laughs> the messiest crap just smeared everywhere. Just ketchup and mustard and sauce and milkshake yeah. and st- it just. No, you can't sit down. You have to like get one thing, kind of lean up, to see if you can find a place to lean. I personally like to eat near a garbage can, if not directly over one. I get in it like so- Oscar. <laughs> So that then I'm like, if I'm spilling, it's no big deal. Yeah. It's going in the trash. And then I can like just hork the food right back in there once I'm done. Or when it inevitably falls apart in my hands. Because I'm a disgusting monster. Speaking of falls apart in your hands, I know we should be talking about Welcome to Nightville. But we did receive a lovely email from a fan who was celebrating How Loveland Day. And yes. they sent a picture of them enjoying a cheesesteak in honor of How Loveland Day. And how, how you had some notes. Yeah. Look, first of all, I appreciate it. Anybody who took the time to wish me happy birthday or think of even think of me on that day, I appreciate your kindness. I appreciate this person in particular who took the time. Thank you, Tim for going and getting a cheesesteak. Uh, the first picture, you're eating it. I don't even know if you are eating it, but I have some notes here. Because you, you got one hand over the top. You're squeezing it from the top and biting. And then what's happening, I can see it in the picture, is the back is opening up like a like one of the worms, like a sandworm. And, you know, you want to hold, you want a two-hand grip. Yeah. You want to do it like you're almost playing the saxophone where you got one hand over the other. Because the food is leaking out the back. And then you got, I know you can eat it like, look, I'm not a fool. I know you could scoop it up with a with a fork, or you could scoop it up with your hand and put it in there. But like, save it all. It's a composed bite. All right. Next note. Uh, <laughs> the roll is wrong. This is not your fault. This is the restaurant. I don't know. I'm not sure where you live. They also these these peppers are wrong too. Everything with the pepper, the onions look fine. I see the cheese is on the bottom. That is also correct. Because you lay the cheese on top of the meat, and then you put the bun on top of it, then you scoop it from the underside, and then you have it all on top. Even if you're doing like a cheese whiz. And this looks like it's, I'm going to guess, a provolone, maybe a mozzarella. Could even be American cheese. It's all fine. You can use whatever cheese you like. I'm not going to be a cheese snob about it. But there's something about these peppers, the ones towards the back of the photo, they look almost raw. And I ask you, whoever cooked this. What, why? What? Like, why even cook them? Just, what do you want to do? Run a hairdryer over them? Those do not look like they were properly sautéed. And I'm offended on behalf of Tim, who had to eat this. No wonder you were letting that part leak out the back. You were hoping some of that would drop off. I get it now. Also, the fries seem weird. But that's not your fault either. I just have some notes. I'd like to know where this is from. Tim, please follow up. And thank you for celebrating Hal Day, as I hope all of you did. I had a very lovely birthday. Thanks, Thanks in no small part to all the people who thought of me on it. Yeah, there's no wrong way to celebrate how Lublin Day, no. except for the way that Tim did it. So, um. <laughs> um, well, talking speaking of things that people are doing wrong, old woman Josie is at the construction of the new old opera house and yeah. uh, is, you know, kind of, she's laying that cement and whatnot, but she's being real sassy with uh, the Erica's. She wants to do it herself. I wrote, old woman Josie is a bad bitch. She yeah. wants to do it herself. She, she doesn't want help. She's like, I can still do this. I am still totally fine. And I still have my faculties about me to build an opera house, which no one knows what opera is, but right. Josie finds it important. And we just got to go with her on this. Also, she watches Castle. Yeah. And can we talk about the TiVo? Like, yeah. is T- does TiVo exist anymore? No. I, know, I think, I think TiVo is like a catch all word for like DVR. Yeah. 
it's such a great little piece too that like because like an older person would call them a uh, TiVo like because that's all. I like, so. it, don't forget to TiVo it. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> well, I'll just tell you, old people working makes me sad. I know I'm going to be an old person working just because our current system of money and whatnot, I'm going to be working until the day I die, which is fine. And I'm, I'm happy with that, especially if I get to do stuff like this, but it makes me kind of sad, but she does have the Erica's at her uh, beck and call to go TiVo castle or whatnot. uh, Even though they were like trying to explain it to her. Um, I do like that Strex is owned and operated now by on Hills, which is lovely. Um, And yeah, let's talk about how no one knows what opera is. Uh, uh, Maybe Pamela Winchell said, thought it was a kissing disease, which I like that. In a way it is. Yeah. It's like, it's like you got mono and opera. Opera. Yeah. I never, uh, I don't think I've ever really experienced opera. I'm deeply uncultured. Like I could like know of opera and have like listened to it, but never like have I seen an opera. Oh, I, uh, we have a lovely opera here uh, in Chicago and I went once and I left an hour and a half, like two hours in because it was like a six hour opera. And I was not told that when I accepted <laughs> the tickets. <laughs> so I, I mean, I had other things to do. That's too much opera. Right? That's too much anything. I, I do the same thing when people are like, oh, come to my play. I'm like, how long is it? <laughs> anything over 90 minutes. Yeah. You what have, are you doing? You have more than two intermissions. Get out of here. Get out of here with that. <laughs> That's not a play. That's a marathon. Right? Get the fuck how out of here. dare you? No way. Thank you. I'm good. I can't remember if I've told this story out here before, but when Jennifer and I were first dating, we went to an opera with friends of ours at the Hollywood Bowl. And I didn't, you know, Jennifer and I didn't know each other very well. Sure. So I assumed that that was something that was very important to her. Like, <laughs> she must love the opera. So I'm going to go, and I'll explain, look, I'm not, that is not a uh, a type of culture that I am particularly interested in. I have nothing but respect for the people who do it. But, you know, on the stage, a woman is performing a diva, if you will. And she's doing like this. And then there's a guy on a microphone who's translating the German into English. Wait, talking over yeah. singing? Like she, no, she sings. She's like, and then he'd be like, hello, how are you doing? And that's what he sounded like. But everything was like the demon's blood spewed from his neck as the sword cut through his artery. Like that, and that's what she's singing. And then she's like, the bride of the demon cried tears of fire as she buried her husband deep in the ash. Like, what? What? I didn't know that's what so we were watching. Weird. Sounds like a saucy date. And I, but I, but I was very, like, I was like, I don't want to, all I want to do, because I'm my mother's child. And my father's child is make fun of this to someone. <laughs> but my, uh, I don't know if this girl I'm dating who I want, like I have to be on my best behavior. I don't want to say anything. And I think that she, uh, like neither of us were, I think we were both going like, this is something we should do. Like we should go to opera. But there, there was no, like Jennifer is not a pr- particular fan of the opera, mm. but I had to be on my best behavior. But I still remember that. And I wonder if anybody else saw it. Was I the only? Was I like having a hallucination 
a hallucination. What did mm-hmm. Jennifer say afterwards? I mean, she. I think she recognized that, like, she. It was surprising to her as well. Like, oh, okay. I'm not sure what that like. We, and we and we did eventually leave early. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the Hollywood Bowl is really nice, but it's gonna. Yeah. I mean, like, that's a long time to be outside. Yeah. <laughs> now, a show we did not leave early was Dolly Parton because that is a heck of oh. a show. Yeah. If you're entertained, so. you can sit there for hours. If you're building a, uh, building a Dolly Parton house, I'll be there. Um, I love that the opera is something that people at Night Vale don't know about and that carnivals are terrible things that they're terrified of. But they also <laughs> don't know about that. Like, yeah. Cecil makes it really clear that he he's never actually been to a carnival, but he he's heard of them and they seem horrible to him. Except it seems like he's just mad that Carlos can't take him to the carnival. Yeah, well, he like he like gets seduced by the carnival. Well, I think he sees that like maybe just because this mass of people is afraid of it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing. And I think that the night Night Vale is a city where mob mentality rules all. Of course, and we get into that more in the next episode. But this episode is very much like this is the kind of precursor to like as a mob we've decided we hate this thing because it's unknown yeah. and there's interlopers and we're not going to educate ourselves about it. Like it's just it's terrible. It's unknown. We're going to run these people out of town. Yeah, so it's it, it's that thing. And then it's the continued reversal of our world, the world that we all live in, and right. the world that Night Vale exists. And it's like everything everything that's one way in our world is the other way in their world, or different somehow. Yeah. So we're, we're working with that. But yeah, so the, there's the initial terrifying thing that's, you know, this carnival is a bad place and everyone's afraid of it. And they try to contact the city council. And of course, the city council is it's like terrible. the fuck out. And they're yeah. the fuck out because they're never around when shit goes bad because they're bad mm-hmm. at their jobs. Yeah. And this this kind of feels like the Harlem Globetrotters showing up on Gilligan's Island. They're like, <laughs> yes. this place is weird and you're all weird. It's not like a Night Vale carnival. Now we're, we are in the space like you were mentioning where like interlopers are a very big deal. And there are things in this, like this episode for, for me, Listening to it, I was like, "This is an okay episode. It's n- not my favorite. It's not my least favorite. It kind of, it, it kind of is there. Has some good stuff and some good concepts in it that I like. But it, it's an excellent setup for the one that we'll talk about in two weeks. Mm-hmm. But there is something to like the, these people who are like, this isn't Modesto. Like they've somehow gotten lost and come into this world as opposed to what you know." Has every other carnival that's ever showed up that has established this idea that carnivals are wrong? Are they all the same? Because it's an, it's an interesting, you know, they're doing what any carnival would do, but but when you shift your your perception just slightly, that it gets to like these giant beasts and they carry hammers and they're like like they're they're trying to stake a claim to they've taken over a plot of land, which is what carnivals do. They take over places where you might go have a picnic or walk through or or need to park near. Yeah, I. I don't think anybody's experienced a carnival at all. Like none has ever come to Night Vale. And right. that and Cecil even says, he's like, I don't even know how they got here, you know? So I feel like this is very new for all of them. And at first they're like, what is this? I feel like they're all like monkeys kind of like poking at the obelisk. And yeah. then they get scared and they like are starting to beat. They're like, ah, you know, and that's yeah. when they get all worked up. Um, at the end. But, you know, also, I think it could be that too many things are happening at once because they also have that clean the books. Yeah, they could be that they're, yeah, that they have a, a lack of attention span thing. Yeah, because the clean the books thing is happening. And we learned that the Dean Koontz books are also allowed along with the Helen Hunt biographies. But the rest of the books need to be cleaned. 
Also, I love that Dean Koontz is like one of the things that's in there. Like the Ellen Hood biography, that's, you know, like we knew about that already and that's always strange. But uh, I don't know. I've read Dean Koontz books. They're all right. (laughs) I've never read a Dean Koontz. You've never read a Dean Koontz? I like his name though. They're like horror-y. And there's actually one series I like. It's like he had a guy named like Odd. His name was like Odd. Oh, gosh. Um, I have the book somewhere. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's like an interesting author, but it's all like kind of creepy stuff. Um, but an interesting choice. Uh, I do like there was one thing that uh, Tamika said um, that we will go soft without books. Yeah. Books make you hard. Stay hard. Stay yeah. hard, buds. Um, I, yeah, what I like with about Tamika is that like T- Tamika's like, listen, the books aren't the problem; it's the librarians that are the problem. Right. So, like, let's focus here. But that they also make good recommendations. Yeah, I wonder how do they do that? Do they point with their like claws or something? Yeah, like the ghosts of Christmas Future. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Just go, yeah. <sighs> and then they're pointing at whatever book, the new David Sedaris. But if you can, you get the, and you get there, and then they like try and eat you. Yeah, they also devour you when you turn to look at the book. That's when they strike. <laughs> you have to keep your eyes on them constantly. Like, yeah, and use the book as you back out. Yeah, going back to the terror of the carnival. Yeah, it made me realize that like so much about how a story can be perceived by the masses is how it's presented by the media. So it's like we all, most of us know what a carnival is and what Mm -hmm. the trappings of a carnival is, but it's when it's described through this lens, this propaganda lens, it's terrifying. So it's like, you can, it can be any, anything can be told anyway when you have the, the voice of the broadcast behind you. So it's an important thing for us to remember, which is also why like fascism is scary. Yeah. And that's what's happening. And these police poor carnies are getting run out of town and burned down and they're afraid. Um, and then, so, so I had this question. I don't know if I, I so Maureen comes back. Hey, awesome. Yeah. Maureen's alive. Her family is like, I can't take this anymore. She's <laughs> America's. That's a lot of emotional baggage. To she's with. Night Vale's most missing woman. Um, <laughs> like America's most missing woman from the sound serious plugged the sound serious. If you haven't listened to the sound serious yet, please do. Um, it's a great podcast. So Maureen's back and then she, she's there for the carnival, but at the end of the episode, she's sad. And I, I'm trying to think the way I perceived it was that she was sad at the end of the episode because Night Vale had like kind of unilaterally mob mentality rejected the carnival. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I thought that like, I thought the reason why she was sad at the end is because she like, she, what she, what she came back to was a place that hadn't changed at all. Yeah. I thought that she was uh, sad, but I also thought she was kind of fed up with like kind of the bullshit of, you know, them, everyone being afraid of stuff and not under, without understand, without fully understanding it. And I, I think that would be really frustrating, especially to a young person um, to be like, hey, you don't even know if this is bad or, you know, all the things that are going on. It's, it could have been anything, but like you're not even paying attention to what it could be, what the possibilities are. And you're just like going with this mom mentality instead. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's, I mean, it's dangerous. <laughs> they, they, it's not like they don't have history in Night Vale, even though knowledge is forbidden. I mean, it. I definitely wrote they wrong for that because they were wrong. They weren't wrong. 
Um, quickly going back to the top of the episode, our phone call with Carlos, Carlos calls in and we yeah. hear about the pictures and the warriors. And I think this is, I think Alicia is Night Vale's first ever non-binary character. So it's the int- introduction Doug's of partner. The, Doug's partner. So, um, so we have that to add to the, the world mm-hmm. is this, the, the birth of Alicia. And yeah, so we kind of get the, the creepiness of those photos that are alive. And so that, mm-hmm. that you can see into people's worlds through them. And that's terrifying. Yeah, because, I mean, some of it sounds like a pretty private moment. Like, Cecil was shaving. He wouldn't be in the the studio shaving. He's, like, at home or whatever. He's in the bathroom. It's a bathroom cam. Yeah, yeah which is the most private place. Yeah, it's not a place where there shouldn't be cameras. It's illegal. It's illegal. <laughs> Do so. you guys remember Jenny Cam? No. Oh, yes, we talked about this on the show. Yes, we, we did. Because did. I didn't know, and then you oh. told me about it. So the better learning through. Is this my last episode of this podcast? Because I've already started to cycle around old stories. I'm sure I've told all these. No, the opera story was new. I don't remember that at all. No, the opera story is new. Um, and Oh, thank goodness. When, once you do two repeats of stories, then we're going to put you in a home for reti- retired podcasters. I'm going to leave podcasting for six months, go on a walkabout. <laughs> Have some new shit happen to me and that I can come and tell stories on the podcast. Well, we'll look forward to that. Yeah, I'll finally be refreshed. I'll have a very long beard and I'll wear a giant floppy hat and I'll have a big walking stick. The things you will have seen. Yeah, each one of those is an episode. Like, how'd I get the beard? What's this hat about? What? Why a stick? <laughs> yeah, who did you take that stick from? Because you <laughs> yeah. didn't find it yourself. Some poor person doesn't have a stick. Yeah, I'm not going to go looking for sticks to walk on. And they're all expensive. Although every time I walk in a store and see walking sticks for sale, I look and I go, hmm, maybe. Maybe I'll be a walking stick. Maybe this would get me hiking more because I, I would have to do less with my legs. Ooh, that would be nice. There was one on sale for $11. Oh, wow. I almost a pulled the trigger. Stick? Yeah. I was it one of those titanium ones that looks like basically like a ski ball? No, it was one. It's like a Gandalf one where it's like a giant, oh. like it's a giant stick. No, that's the one I want. I don't want like a cane for eleven dollars. Do you know that they're free in the woods? How? Exa- I don't want to go hunting for one because then this one snaps. This isn't the right wood. You got to cure it. Yeah, you got the right height, and then you have to whittle it to your hand. And yeah, I understand. But so then, then eleven dollars is a steal considering all of the mental, physical, and emotional labor or labor that would go into getting a stick of your own from the woods. So you didn't buy it. I'm going back to Kernville, California this weekend. Oh. Forget forget San Francisco Sketchfest. I'm going up to Kernville and I'm going to get that walking stick. I remember what store it was in. I remember. I'll go get it. On that note. Up next, we're going to hear from our guest this week, Joseph Fink. But first, how about a conversation about this episode's weather, which was Bremen by the Pigpen Theater Company? I had to look up where Bremen was. It's next to Yemen. No, it's in Germany. Ah, close enough. Sure. Not America. That is, it was, it is not America. Uh, but I just thought that was interesting because I was like, where is, because you know, you hear about places, but yeah. then you don't know like where exactly they are. But it is uh, the city municipality of Bremen. Uh, it's the capital of the German federal state of free Hans Seedek city of Bremen. But most people just call it Bremen. Northern Germany by Hamburg. It's the title track of uh, this album. Oh. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about, okay, first of all, is it a theater company? It sure is. Yeah. They put out, that's how we found out about them. Joseph and I went to go see a show of theirs at the, oh, what's it called? 
the, the, the gym at Judson, which is this, I don't know if it still exists. I hope it does. It's this really cool performance venue. That's a gym, uh, like a, like a big auditorium gym. And, uh, oh, okay. so we saw them do their show, the old man and the old moon there in what it had to have been maybe 2013. Uh, we saw it and, it was an incredible show. So it's seven dudes that are in the Pig Pen Theater Company. They all met at Carnegie Mellon when they were there studying the theater. And the show that they put on, it's a musical. So they all sing and play instruments. And then they do a lot of stuff with shadow puppetry. And yeah, it's very impressive to see them. Like when you're, you're watching the shows that they do, it's like you're just being impressed by the range of talent that these people have with the mm. sort of poor theater where they could make really evocative, incredible, beautiful things out of like flashlights and sheets and cardboard cutouts and a guitar. So they, they really can make a lot with not, with not a lot. And they're just very impressively talented with their physical theater, as well as the imagery that they create. And then the music is incredible. So they, they have a, in their own right, they have um, this, their musical career where they do tour as musicians. They have their shows. They just closed a show at Berkeley rep that was reviewed really well. So they're, they've been pretty active for this whole time. They also written a book. So they're, they're, really out. I mean, there's seven of them. So that does kind of even out the workload. And also they have to do a lot in order to be able to keep seven people employed. So um, I, I see that I hear that. But so yeah, they do they are prolific with their content. And they're really great. If you haven't dove into their stuff yet, I would recommend it. If you ever pig pen theater company show comes to your town, you should go see it. Cool. Um, I thought of the song itself. I was like, at first, I was like, Oh, this is gonna be a slow one. And then, but then it picked up and it was, it was pretty fun. I think I would maybe enjoy it more if I saw it in person. Do you know what I mean? It seems like a thing that would be, be cool to see, like, or better to see in person. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like with like seven people, like performing their guts out. For sure. Stay right there. Good morning, Night Vale will return after a brief break. That's the sound of me smelling my own armpit because I smell like a coconut vanilla cookie. And I smell like that because of native deodorant. Good Morning Night Vale is very pleased to be able to offer you 20% off of your first purchase of native deodorant by going to nativedeodorant.com and entering promo code GOODMORNING at checkout. I find myself very lucky to live in a time in history when deodorant exists. Think about how bad George Washington must have smelled and be grateful that you don't have to go anywhere near that. I don't want you to be stinky. I want you to smell great. And I want you to do that without endangering your body with harsh chemicals. Native deodorant can do that for you. Their products are naturally formulated and aluminum free. So you're not gonna be slowly poisoned by your own armpits. You're gonna have to find another way to die. And while you're finding that other way to die, you will smell great with a naturally derived deodorant that actually works. Native deodorant is not tested on animals, so no narwhals, which are real, will be injured for you to smell awesome. Visit nativedeodorant.com, use promo code GOODMORNING, and don't smell like George Washington. Do you have trouble getting the sleepies like I do, having a good night's sleep, like a full night's sleep? Let me introduce you to Feels, which is the premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. If you're like me and you have trouble, if you have stress, if you have anxiety, pain, or sleeplessness, then you just put a few drops of Feels under your tongue and you'll feel the difference 
within minutes. And if you're like me and you are new to CBD like I was, they offer a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. Feels has me feeling my best every day, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash good morning, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash good morning to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash good morning. Hello, welcome. Today we have creator and writer of Welcome to Night Vale, Joseph Fink. He joins us in our home studio, which is just our office, and he is here to talk to us about some things. He came home from his run the other day after listening to September monologues, and he had things to say. He said, I have a lot of answers uh, to your questions and some things I'd like to set straight, and I'm misquoting him. So I thought we would just let let him speak for himself uh, with his reactions to September monologues. Yes, set the record straight. Yes, the floor is yours. I actually can only think of two questions I answered coming home from my run. <laughs> Maybe we'll come up with more. Yeah, the two things were why. The, so Meg mentioned the sound quality. I don't know. The Mara's sound quality uh, being low was probably just she didn't have a real microphone yet. Later on, she started doing voiceover work. So she probably bought a nicer one. But I think probably then she was just using her phone or whatever was available. Uh, but the Cecil one was actually because the, the reason the September monologues happened uh, was partly because that Steve Carlsberg monologue had been sitting on my computer for a year. Um, but also was because we were in Edinburgh at the Fringe Festival doing, um, well, I was just going to see shows and basically on vacation, um, but Cecil and Meg were doing uh, Too Much Light Makes the Baby Go Blind, the new Futurist show there. So we realized we needed an episode and Cecil wasn't home to record and hadn't brought his recording stuff, so we wrote this thing, but we still needed the interstitial stuff done. So those interstitial things were recorded in our, like, Meg and I's basement Airbnb in Edinburgh on... Whatever I brought, I honestly don't know, but it wasn't a very good microphone. But that was why there was uh, the sound quality issue is because it is, mm. uh, the, you know, the old Scotland basement recording. So it was like a real gorilla sort of recording session. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Night Vale is it's sort of stumbled backwards into being a huge podcast, but it <laughs> it's always been made the way it started, which is just kind of, let's make a podcast. And so there's all sorts of like very not super slick production things we do even now you know when we have guests on they'll be like i don't know i only have my phone to record on we're like yeah it's fine um we'll we'll (laughs) find a way to write around that a lot of times we just have the person calling in so it doesn't matter that you're recording on your phone can i ask a follow-up question yeah because you said that you you said you had the the steve carlsberg monologue on your computer for a year what when did you when was the idea to write that what like how did that how was that kind of born i don't I always liked Steve Carlsberg and I always thought there was more to him. And so I don't know if I had a completed monologue, but I know I had the whole thing in my head of like the, the dotted lines in the sky Mm -hmm. and the structure of it. And originally I was like thinking maybe it's an entire episode from Steve Carlsberg point of view, but then I talked to Jeffrey and he had been thinking of other ones and we, that's where we came to like, what if we, did a whole collection of these monologues and just made that the episode. 
a lot of times I will have an idea for Night Vale that sits for a year or sometimes like five years before mm. it goes anywhere. Another one of those was, uh, have you guys done What Happened at the Smithwick House yet? No. No, not yet. Okay. There's an episode called What Happened at the Smithwick House that I like came up with that story very, very early on, early on in Night Vale and then just sat on it for a very long time and then reached a point where I was like, oh, I should probably write this. And there's stuff even now that I've just kind of filed away on. Eventually, we'll do this. Is it like, do you have just a note that says, what about this thing? Or, you know, Tamika's adventure, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, like, I have a Night Vale document where I put ideas, um, but generally there's not a lot in there because usually, usually it just goes straight from my head. And by the time I decide to write it down, I'll just write it. In, in a lot of ways, that's faster. Um, it's faster for me to just write the thing than to like make notes on it for a while because Night Vale episodes aren't very long. Okay. So yeah, the, the Night Vale, a lot of the stuff in that Night Vale notes document is just stuff I'm never going to do because it's the stuff that I like wrote in there and then never did anything with. <laughs> um, so mostly at this point, it's a list of probably ideas we'll never use. Hold on. I'm going to read you. There's like a joke in, in, in this document that um, <laughs> that I still, like, I'll go back to sometimes and I just don't understand it. I don't know what I was. Are you hoping we'll be able to clear it up for you? Or? Yeah. Maybe. Help. Let's see. All right. Let me find. I haven't, I haven't even opened this sheet in a very long time. Meg, watch the mic. Can I tell you that right now, uh, Joseph is scrolling through his list of ideas folder and it is Epically huge. <laughs> no, the folder is is where I keep my rough drafts. It's mostly this folder. Okay. All rough, rough drafts? All rough drafts? Yeah. Uh, Night Vale rough drafts. Okay. Okay. It's pretty epic. There's a lot of scrolling. The man has written maybe millions of words. That's like when somebody asks me about something and I'll be like, oh, yeah, let me find that picture or video. I, I scroll for like 17 years before I can find it. Uh, I also have a list of things that are called things for reasons. So that's where I keep my ideas. I found it. Um, <laughs> the, oh, this is just mar- labeled tweet idea. <laughs> and then it says, oranges are great for your immune system and can also be thrown at intruders. This tweet brought to you by, and then I put in brackets, big security company. Um so there's that. That's been in there for several years. Uh, this one underneath it uh, says a payday lending. I think this is, so this isn't like a full idea. This is just like a note for myself because I wanted to get this down before I got this brilliant, forgot this brilliant idea. A payday lending store that removes a day from your life for every late, pay, late payment. Their slogan, a dollar late, a day short. <laughs> so there's that. There's um, a passage we cut from the debate that has just sat in here ever since. Um, so yeah, this uh, this sheet. What is this? Oh, this is a passage we cut from the glow uh, the glow cloud the all hail live show. <laughs> Sometimes I'll put cut stuff in there just in case I ever want to use anything from it, and then I never do. <laughs> so there's that. The oh the uh, the only other question I could answer from the September monologues is the background music is in fact disparition. Um, oh. It's from it's from an album um, that I never used much from because it was a vocal album. It had a lot of vocals all over it, and 
Um, he, he never gave me the instrumentals for it, so <laughs> I couldn't use it. But for this one, because it was an unusual one, I thought I could. And um, I'm pretty sure the, the person singing in that is Deep Thee, his wife. Yeah. Mm. So that is, that is what that was, what is playing there. I hope this has answered everyone's questions. This has been edifying. Absolutely. I know. I'm sure people, this is a, a weight off of people's minds and shoulders. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Joseph. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Joseph. And, and please don't steal any of my good tweet ideas. That I read. <laughs> Thank you. Please don't TM, steal TM, any TM. Good, good tweet ideas. Yeah. Let's talk about your, your book coming out soon. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm just looking through this idea. Thing. Are there more tweets? <laughs> There's a, the problem is a lot of it is tweets that are actually good that we wrote, that we put out, and then I just save them in case I ever wanted to expand them. Okay. Um, this one just says a bottomless hole and a doorway to hell. Don't know what that's referring to. <laughs> oh, that's your shopping list. Um, Jeffrey and I wrote a book. I think it's really good. It's called The Faceless Old Woman Who Secretly Lives Near Home. I think it's the best one we've done yet. It's like, it's sort of like The Princess Bride mixed with uh, The Haunting of Hill House. Yes. Uh. <laughs> it's the entire life story of the faceless old woman who secretly lives in your house going back to um, 1792. Um, <laughs> most of it takes place in a Night Vale version of Europe involving like the Napoleonic Wars and pirates and secret societies. Um <laughs> Oh, this is brilliant. I love it. Yeah, I'm very excited. Meg read it. She can tell you about it. It is very good, and I enjoyed reading it. It was a very much a page-turner for me. I think I ripped through it in like a day and a half. Oh, nice. And it was oh, not wow. just because my husband and my very good friend wrote it, but because it is – you want to you, – you dive right in. It's one of those stories that you hop right into, and then you are in the world of it, and you have to see how it plays out. I mean, the character of the Faces of Woman is always fascinating, but a lot of the time she's a punchline, right? It's like her – she has lots of depth and things like that, but – there's the joke of she's the face of the woman who secretly lives in your home. Her name is a joke, but there's so much more there. It's like this, it's just the complete, it really is it's her entire life story. It's a complete and total fleshing out of this character. So if your mind has ever drifted into, I wonder what this or any other character from Night Vale's full life story is. Now we have that in Canon for the face of old woman. And it's, it's terrifying and horrible and exciting and, hopeful and hopeless and all of the things and some of the things it's not all the things let's be clear <laughs> most of the things though i it's a lot of the things it's a lot of things you want at least in an epic story and i think that's why i'm uh, most excited about reading it uh because i think if i could uh, put a genre of book together it would include something that's a bit princess bridey uh, with some haunting of Hill House, so I like a little creep factor, and I yeah. love an epic story. Is there any love in it? Is there love for her? Uh, yes, I, I can't say more, but there is. Um, Does she talk about what she looks like? No, but we don't. We neither give her a name nor describe what she looks. Oh like. Oh my god! Okay, that is not our way. Okay, um, I love it. there is a very sweet love part of the book. Um, I will also tell you that Jeffrey came to me one day and he's like, I think I know how it ends. And then he described his idea for the ending and I was absolutely horrified. And then I was like, yes. <laughs> and we went with that. So yeah, um, the ending of the book is something that like genuinely horrified me when I heard it and then got me really excited. I was like, yes, we're going to do that. Yeah. So you can look forward to that. That sounds so <laughs> exciting. I'm super pumped awesome. to read it. And when does yeah. that, when does that come, when, when does that come out? 
March 24th. And That's so Jeffrey soon. And I, yeah. And Jeffrey and I are going to do a book tour. Okay. It is unfortunately um, right in the middle of the Night Vale tour. So I don't think I've been able to see y'all during it. Um, but it's, yeah, March 24th to April 6th. We're going all over the country um, doing doing some events. It's an exciting time to be a Night Vale fan. Let me tell you what, because we do have our tour coming up. We have our 2020 dates, which start in March. So you will have the opportunity as a Night Vale person to see us live and then to see Joseph and Jeffrey live separately. If you're in certain cities and certain markets, you'll have the opportunity to get to, in the same month, see an incredible live show Mm -hmm. and see them talk about their their book and present this book to the world. So... If you're one of those people who live in those markets, it's going to be it's going to be a great spring for you. Action packed. Awesome. Action packed. Night fell packed. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Joseph. Now you can continue to make me dinner. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. What are you making? Uh, I'm making something called turkey salad. I'm sure you know it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's this thing I very slowly invented during my years of living alone. Um, that sounds weird, but is really delicious. So it's basically ground turkey with a lot of flavor packed into it, cooked down with some pasta. Then you put that in the fridge for for a while until it's nice and cold. And then you build a salad around it. So you got like oh. your, your lettuce, your radicchio, green onions, a lot of herbs. So it's a cold thing. Okay. It's a cold thing with ground, wow. with mm. like really flavored ground turkey and cold pasta in it. Um, we call it turkey salad. Um, I can only promise you that it really tastes good. It sounds filling. No, it sounds great. It sounds amazing. It's very good. There's no mayonnaise in it, which is what I think most people think when they hear turkey salad, like a tuna salad, but it's nothing like that. It's it's like a really flavorful, like acidic, yeah, uh, crunchy salad that has uh, like little turkey meatballs in it. I believe that there's two camps of salads. There's the mayonnaise salads, and then there's the vinaigrette style salad. You know, like bean salads. A lighter salad. Yeah, a lighter salad or even a pasta salad with like a pesto or some sort of like vinaigrette on it. And I prefer the vinaigrette kind because I like a tang. I love them all and they love me. Well, I wish I could eat some of that turkey salad. One day when I'm visiting your home, you should feed it to me. I will do that. Good night, everyone. And that is our show. Uh, I want to thank everybody. We all want to thank you uh, for listening to us week after week. And we want to definitely thank Joseph for being our guest today. Um, Next episode is the University of What It Is. But until then, good morning, Night Vale. Good morning. Good Morning Night Vale is a Night Vale Presents production. It is hosted by Symphony Sanders, Hal Lublin, and Meg Bashwiner. It is edited by Grant Stewart and mixed by Vincent Cascione. It is produced by Meg Bashwiner. Theme music by Disparition. Special thanks to our guest this week, Joseph Fink. Leave us a voicemail at 929-277-2050 or email us at info at goodmorningnightvale.com to share your theories and ask questions or to complain about the climate where you live. This show is powered by our patrons like Paul Sprankel, Bianca Jane Johnson, Logan, Jared J. Bowles, and Jonathan Rojas. 
If you are interested in supporting this show in exchange for lots of fun, exclusive, hyper cool kid content, like knowing you are the whole reason this show can afford to exist, check us out at patreon.com slash goodmorningnightvale. For more information on this show, go to goodmorningnightvale.com and follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Nightvale Chat. Special thanks to Christy Gressman, Jeffrey Craner, Joseph Fink, and Adam Cecil. Today's adverb is claustrophobically. Make space in your life to learn about new words like claustrophobically. There's room for claustrophobically in your life and in your vocabulary. Uh, hey, everybody, this is Drew. I make a Sleep With Me podcast. It's a bedtime story podcast here at Night Vale Presents. And I just want to tell you about the show. It's a podcast to help you fall asleep, uh, just like somebody having a friend over to tell you a, a lulling, soothing, strange, meandering bedtime story. But I also want you to know the reason I make the show is because I know how it feels uh, not to be able to sleep. And it's really important to me uh, to, to try to bring some levity and comfort uh, to the deep, dark night. So if you know how it feels uh, when you can't fall asleep, if you're tossing and turning and you're looking for something to take your mind off of that, uh, just open up your podcast app and search for Sleep With Me uh, and give it a listen. Thanks.